This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 15th of January. That's right. We're midway through January and vaccines are rolling out around the world. And among the many, many vaccine-related questions that we have been getting in the last week or so, one of them has kind of caught my eye and I thought I'd put it to you, Norman. Now that vaccine rollouts have begun globally, how soon do we expect to see a corresponding drop in cases of COVID and also in deaths? Well, funny you should say that. Overnight yesterday, Israel, at the moment it's just newspaper reports, but it comes from the Israeli Ministry of Health and a large health provider, one called Klalit, another one called Maccabi Healthcare. And what they're doing in Israel is that they're electronically recording all the vaccines, as we will do in Australia, but it's integrated into people's medical records. So they really do have very good integrated electronic medical records. And in fact, one of the reasons they're getting so much vaccine from Pfizer is that they've done a deal where they give the data back to Pfizer so they've got what's called post-marketing surveillance and they get data back on the performance of the vaccine. So what they've shown and what they're saying, it hasn't been published yet, is that after the first dose, and I think it's roughly in about 200,000 people aged over 65, that in those people, compared to members of the health funds who have not yet had the vaccine, they've seen a significant reduction, perhaps a 50% reduction in COVID-19 infection, not just disease, but infection. So and that's this in is older people be- specifically? Yes, because they're rolling it out in priority. So older people and frailer people are getting it first before others get it as well. And so this is their first data. It's a bit like, I don't know if you remember, Tegan, but near the beginning of the pandemic, Britain used their coordinated electronic records, centralised electronic medical records in hospitals to be able to do huge randomised controlled trials on a vast scale during the first wave. They were able to show that hydroxychloroquine didn't work, that the antiretrovirals for HIV didn't work, but that dexamethasone, a steroid, did work. And they turned it around incredibly quickly during that first wave. And it's this huge advantage when you have a population willing to accept electronic medical records. And that's what the Israelis are doing. So they've got records of people who have not yet had the vaccine versus people who have. So if you like, it's a real world, not quite randomized, but it's a real world trial. And again, not published in any scientific journal yet. The early indications are that the Pfizer vaccine, after the first dose, is showing reduced transmission to a significant extent, which is really great news. Yeah, because the focus when we're talking about vaccines is so often about achieving herd immunity, which is obviously something that lots of people are very keen for, for all sorts of reasons. But this is a really fast, positive outcome where you're literally saving people's lives. Yeah, it's early, could be wrong. Still got to run the ruler over it scientifically, but it is a good early sign. And presumably it reflects the data they're handing back to Pfizer. So Israel is getting the Pfizer shot. And we've also heard reports over the last few days that a man in the US who got the Pfizer shot has died shortly afterwards. And I think there's some question marks around whether or not it was anything to do with the shot or was just chance. What do we know about that? All we know about is uh, newspaper reports, particularly from the New York Times, who've looked into it. So it's really impossible to be absolutely sure what's going on. If the newspaper, and it's an if, 
if the newspaper report is accurate, then this is a doctor who got it and three days after the vaccine started to develop little red spots on his skin called petechiae. And these are a sign that your blood isn't clotting very well. He recognised that, presented himself, and his platelets had dropped precipitously. And they found it very hard to raise his platelet levels. They thought this was an immune reaction which was reducing his platelets. Platelets are the little fragments in your blood which are essential for blood clotting. And it does occur to drugs, and it has occurred with COVID-19, by the way. So COVID-19 disease itself can cause a precipitous drop to your platelets and serious hemorrhage. And they were about to, again, according to the newspaper report, remove his spleen, which is where they presume that the platelets were being broken down. But he died of a cerebral hemorrhage beforehand. So the question here is cause and effect. Is it the vaccine or is it a coincidence? So one of the things we were talking about yesterday was the quarantine hotel in Brisbane where it was found that six cases of coronavirus were all linked to each other. And we made the observation that that could have been linked to aerosol spread. And Queensland's now announced that it's looking at using mining camps to quarantine returning travellers instead of hotels. Do you think that that is something that might reduce the likelihood of something like this happening again in a quarantine hotel situation? It might. They're certainly easier to manage because I assume that it's a bit like Howard Springs where the accommodation is a bit more separated and open air. You know, in other words, it's not a vertical building where you've got shared air conditioning. You, you may have huts with their own air conditioning and so on. So it's, it, you'd have to define what the mining camp would look like. And it's obviously got to be reasonably comfortable, as indeed many mining camps are, because they've got to attract fly and fly out workers and they're not going to stay in rubbish. So it's possible. The other issue is if somebody's coming in from overseas with a medical condition, and that's why they're coming back, it's inappropriate to put them in a mining camp. They're going to have to be in the city because they're going to have to have health care. But you could have a health care hotel, which is what they've got. I'm not sure if they've got it in Queensland, but they've certainly got it in New South Wales. So you couldn't have an absolute situation there. But I've not heard of any escape from Howard Springs. So it could be a model moving forward. The other thing that people have been asking about in relation to these Brisbane cases is that the three-day lockdown kicked off with a woman who worked in a quarantine hotel testing positive to this so-called UK strain that's meant to be more infectious. And it doesn't look so far that she's infected anyone else apart from her partner, which isn't a massive surprise because presumably they live in close quarters with each other. And more than one person has written in asking us, is the UK variant not as infectious as we thought? Like, how is it that she would have had however many close contacts were identified, maybe close to 100, maybe more than 100, depending on how you count them? Why is the partner only the only person who's caught it? Um, the answer is, I don't know the answer to that question. So it's a question of just the situation in which people are communicating. So her partner got it, which is home. We know that home is a high-risk environment for catching COVID-19. It may well be that the cleaner wasn't in a super spreading environment to pass it on and that it's in a super spreading environment that you really see this kick on. And we did proceed to a lockdown, but I accept that what people are saying is that a lot of people before we went to isolating this woman and going to Brisbane's lockdown. So the answer is probably don't know, but it's likely that this woman wasn't in a super spreading environment with her contacts. So shall we go to Quick Fire Friday? What do you think, Tegan? Oh, yes, please. I've got lots of questions to throw to you, Norman. Let's start now. Are the Chinese vaccines recognised by Australia? 
No, nor are they likely to in the near future because they've not had very good clinical trials done on them. Does the COVID vaccine affect fertility? This is running around on the dark net, on the light net, whatever you want to call it. And there is no biological pathway to infertility that is plausible with any of the vaccines. This is not reproductive tissue that gets infected. And it's just the spike protein that's been produced, just like the COVID-19 virus. Given that COVID-19 is infectious with airborne particles and also on surfaces, is it possible that you could catch it through your eyes? And if so, are masks enough? You can certainly catch it through your eyes. That's why in hospitals they wear those shields, but they've got to wear masks as well. I've actually been seeing people walking around with just the shields. That's not effective. You've got to wear masks as well. But really what you're wearing the shield for in the hospital environment is aerosolising events such as intubation and things like that, because it could get in via the eyes. But the main way in just ordinary life is via the nose and mouth. Will it be safe to have a flu shot and a coronavirus shot, given that they're going to be available at about the same time this year? It's very likely that they are. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that. And in fact, the Novavax company, which is producing one of the coronavirus vaccines that we've acquired in Australia, is looking at doing a combined flu and coronavirus shot. Uh, And I put this to you as something I'm not sure if you can answer in a quick fire way or not, but can you discuss how at the beginning of 2020, the expected death rate was about 3 to 5%, but it's gone right down in early 2021? The case fatality rate is a really inaccurate way of describing what's going on. We had a very low case fatality rate in Australia because we got onto it and we looked at it. Although if you look at the Johns Hopkins University figures, they say that the case fatality rate was 3% in Australia, which surprises me a little. It really depends on how much testing you're doing. So Mexico's got a case fatality rate of 8%, 8 8.0. And that's because they're not doing much testing. Therefore, you've got a low number of cases to deaths. So it's a very inaccurate measure. It's probably around 1% on average internationally if you were actually to encompass all the true number of cases. Well, well, well done, Norman. Another quick fire Friday done and dusted. And also done and dusted is our first week back with Coronacast in 2021. Yeah, we wish all Coronacast listeners a great weekend. Ask your questions over the weekend. Go to abc.net.au slash coronacast. Go to ask your questions and mention Coronacast on the way through. We'll see you on Monday. See you then.